We are in the 29th chapter of Genesis. It's a long story. I'll just summarize it for you this morning. Jacob, as Troy reminded us last week, had tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright and his blessing. Esau threatened to kill him, so Jacob ran for his life. He ends up in the territory of a relative, Laban. He falls in love with Laban's younger daughter named Rachel. And Laban, who's every bit as deceptive as uh, Jacob, takes advantage of this and says, Hey, why should I have her marry a non-relative? Work for me seven years and you can have my daughter, Rachel. So he does. And the Bible says he loves Rachel so much, the seven years pass like a day. And then the time comes, and there's a big wedding banquet and celebration. And, in, and at the end of the celebration, when it's time uh, to join together and, and marriage and consummate the wedding, uh, Laban fools Jacob and sneaks in his older daughter, Leah. In the morning, Jacob wakes up and find out, finds out he married Leah, not Rachel. And he confronts Laban. Laban says, I don't know how it's done where you're from, but here, the, the younger never get in front of the older. And But I tell you what, work for me another seven years and I'll let you marry Rachel as well uh, today. And so he does, and he loves them both, though he loves Rachel more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I want to share uh, uh, some thoughts with our confirmants this morning. And I don't know if, if they've seen it. The YouTube of Nick at the University of Texas. Have you seen that? It went viral uh, last week. Uh, There's a tradition the last few years at the University of Texas on the last day of classes for the semester. They have what is known as Foam Sword Friday. And so the students who participate in something the School of Architecture started a few years back have their foam swords. Some have foam pickaxes. Some are dressed in costumes, others in masks. They line up on each side of Guadalupe. And then when the, uh, the, the traffic light turns and the crosswalk is open, they charge each other and battle with their foam swords. Retreat, traffic passes, and when, the, when it's safe to go again, they go again in a celebration of the end of the semester. Well, a week ago Friday on the last day of classes, if you saw on the YouTube, it went, out, it went down a little differently this time. Uh, a larger crowd than usual, both sides of Guadalupe, started out in, in masks and uh, some of them in costume and all of them with foam uh, swords and foam weapons. And one side of Guadalupe yells Texas and the other side yells fight. One side yells Texas, the other side yells fight. Texas fight. Then one side yells OU and the other makes an observation about OU. Then they yell OU. They respond with the observation one more time. And then in the camera phone gets focused on a a kid with a, a mask of a president and a black backpack and his foam sword. And he is so eager that Nick, the freshman, then charges into battle. And next thing you see, bam, he's hit by a capital metro bus. Now, here's the good news. Nick's all right. If you stay with the video for a few moments, you see Nick stagger to his feet, stumble back and get a place in the grass under a tree. Later, he'll be taken uh, into the ER and he's released within two hours with with only minor injuries, sort of a foam sword miracle that happened. That's the good news. But the interesting news to me for the Confermans is this YouTube video has given me a new metaphor For the Christian life. I finally figured out what goes on when we finish confirmation. When we finish making a commitment to Christ. Or when we uh, seal our marriage at the altar. I finally figured out 
what happens is we go charging in to the future with our foam sword. And we expect some resistance. We know there'll be others out there with foam swords. But in the middle of our charge, wham, taken by a bus. I want to tell you in confirmation that the one thing you can be sure of the future is it will throw you some unexpected curves. That you will be handed difficult turns in your life. Um, And some will be larger than others. Some will be the size of a bus and they will really set you back. And others perhaps will be more minor, but they will nonetheless be disappointing to you. Um, My wife got the chance of a lifetime this past uh, January to go to uh, Israel. She was going with a group, and so I wanted her to have a, a, a decent digital camera to take with her. So it was her birthday. So I went and picked one out, and I picked, you know, it was a name brand. It wasn't the best brand, but they advertised that it was easy to transfer this to social media and put, it, put your pictures on Facebook or whatever, and I know she likes to do that. So I got this kind of basic brand because it advertised that, wrapped it up, put it in a bag, Birthday comes, surrounded by her children and her husband. She opens up the camera and says nothing. Nothing at all. Finally, one of the children goads her into saying something, and she says, well, it isn't what I expected. And since then, in our house, we've used that to describe a lot of events in life. When we get disappointed here or there, our observation is something to the tune of, well, it isn't what I expected. I would tell you in the confirmation class, you're going to have a lot of those. You're going to march off into high school, and I guarantee you it will not be what you expected. At some point later, you're going to go to your first job, maybe even your second job, maybe your third job. And even though though you've done your homework, you've gone through orientation, at some point you're going to figure out, this job is not what I expected. Some of you will find the person with whom you want to spend the rest of your life, and you will come to this altar or another altar and make a commitment and sometime into the marriage you'll think this isn't really what I expected or maybe even you'll come to a church and one day even kind of wake up well this church isn't what I expected that's what happens in our life sometimes the the unmet expectations are deep and painful like a bus sometimes they're minor irritants like sword with a little too much force behind it but expect that that will come but when it comes remember there is a patron saint of disappointment his name is jacob jacob fell in love with rachel who was beautiful and so he was willing to work seven years in the field seven years with the this nasty sheep seven years for his future father-in-law so he could marry rachel Well, after a night of celebration, as many uh, weddings in that day had, uh, a night of celebration, uh, he uh, goes into the the marriage tent expecting to meet uh, his future bride. Of course, she is veiled, as is the custom, and Laban slips in Rachel. And it's not until the next morning that he realizes he's married Leah, not Rachel. Rachel's been substituted out, and Leah has come in. And I want to tell you, at some point in your life, in some matter, you're going to think, wait a minute, I signed up for Rachel, and I got Leah. It will happen. That's just it. You don't know what the future holds, but I guarantee you it's going to hold some disappointment. I want to tell you, too, that you you simply cannot know the future. Your vision is imperfect. 
None of us can see what's happening. You know, Jacob's got some vision issues. Clearly, after a night of partying on his wedding, and his bride comes in with a veil, I mean, he, of course, he, he doesn't know what's going on. Nick, who's wearing the mask before he steps out in front of the bus, with no peripheral vision, cannot see. And I assure you, you cannot see the future. Guarantee it. This is what Paul said about it. Paul says we look through a glass darkly or dimly. Uh, when we got married, uh, people gave us uh, uh, glasses that were kind of smoke-colored. And if I hold it up and I look through the glass and you're on the other side, I could probably make out that something is there, but I really can't tell that it's you. And that's the way we see life. We're not always clear about what's happening or what is going to happen. That's just part of being a human being. We can't predict or know the future. Know this, it will be unexpected. My Hebrew teacher, Jonah, has a, a great way that really helped me understand it. He said, when the ancient Israelites thought about time, they thought about time as going east. And the future was east, and the past was west. But they said, we go into the future like this. The only thing we see clearly is what's behind us and what's already happened. The things that have yet to happen, we have no vision on that at all. And so we walk into an uncertain future. And every person here in this room, confirmand or not, has no clear idea of what tomorrow holds. You can only guess that some of what it holds will not be what you expected. But now we get to the best part of the story. The part I love best about the video, it's rather shocking when you see Nick get hit. And then it's almost humorous when you realize that he's okay. So you can kind of say, well, all right. You know, yay for him. But the best part is the guy gets up, hit by a bus, and he bounces back up. Well, staggers back up. My hunch is that next May in 2013, that he's going to be back at Guadalupe with his sword. I'm pretty clear. The important thing to know about life is that it will deal you some unexpected blows, that you don't know for sure what's coming, But what you can know is whatever happens, I'm going to bounce back up. Whatever happens, I'm going to stay faithful. Whatever happens, I'm going to keep moving forward. That's what Nick did. And Jacob did the same thing. Now, confirmands don't try this at home. Uh, It's illegal. Uh, But what he did to solve the situation is he married both women. Married Leah. Married the love of his life, Rachel. But the Bible says he loved them both, though he loved Rachel more. But he bounced back and stayed faithful enough that he provided a stable life and a loving environment for Leah. And here's what happened. Leah and Jacob had a number of children after he bounced back and got up. The fourth child they had was a guy named Judah. Judah had a child who had a child who had a child who had a child. If you keep going, you get to the 10th generation of Judah's family. The child who's born is named David. And he becomes a king of all Israel. And David, the 10th in this line of Judah from Jacob and Leah, marries a woman named Bathsheba. And they have a child who has 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 a child. child. And you keep going forward. And then the child that's born to them is named Jesus. Jacob bounced back. He got back up. 
He loved his life and wife as he found her. And out of that love, the Messiah came to the world. You know, what this teaches me is, oftentimes when things go good, we thank God, and we should, and we think Jesus is really there because everything went exactly the way we expected. But what if Jesus is even more present when things don't go the way we expect them? And we stay faithful nonetheless. Uh, Many parts of the city got a great rain, short but great, on Friday. And we thank God for that, but it took out about 20% of our lights here in the sanctuary. Can we thank God for that? And can we move on? What if it's not that Jesus is absent when things go wrong? What if the possibility exists that he's even more present in a deeper way? When things go as you expect, thank God, you're fortunate. When things don't go as you expect, stay faithful and look for God because Jesus is about to show up. Happened almost 30 years ago. Uh, an elderly man, a very eccentric, uh, very wealthy, passed away, had no, had no uh, family, no friends. And they did an estate sale. And in the estate sale, another man named Meyer came and bought his uh, gently used automobiles, a fancy car, a very nice car, and drove it for a number of years. And then he got ready to trade that used car in. And Meyer, like so many of us, decided now would be a good time to wash and clean the car. Before I traded in. So he did. And he opened the trunk. And for the first time he decided to really clean the trunk. And he pulled up the carpet in the trunk. And he's feeling around. And he found a little bag. Pulled out the bag and opened it. And inside was a diamond. That in today's dollars was worth about four million dollars. The treasure was never where he would have looked originally. The treasure was in the trunk. I can assure you as a confirmation class, you don't know what's next. And what's next in many ways and times will be difficult. But I assure you, if you stay faithful in the midst of the difficulty and keep your eyes and heart open, you will find treasures and blessing beyond your wildest dreams.